Welcome back to Young Honchos. As always, I'm Joey, and I'm here with my very special co-star, Mr. Tanner Powell. Tanner, how you doing today? Doing pretty good, bro. I'm just chilling. You chilling? Yeah. Hell yeah. How was uh, how was the boat today? It was pretty good. The water was nice. Um, the weather was good. There wasn't that many people out. We didn't ride for very long, but we were just just chilling, hanging out. Hell yeah. And today we have three very interesting gentlemen with us. We have. Mr. Ken Spears. Ken, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. After uh, putting in a fence all day, uh, I had a beer, you know what I mean? So I'm all good. So, yeah, you know. Hell yeah. Life is great right now. Ken is Francis's father, and uh, he helped us put in this really nice fence today, him and my dad, um, who's also here. Dad, how you doing? Good. Feel pretty good. I was like you said. I was helping with the fence earlier. Minus the beer, though, that would have been real nice. To yeah, have yeah. But um, other than that, I'm doing awesome. Man. Yep. We all showered because we were smelling like ass out there. Um, and we have as well, Mr. Trey Powell. Trey, how you doing? Hey, pretty good, Joy. Thanks for having me. I'm. I was on the boat with Tanner, so I'm sorry I wasn't working with Joe and Ken, so we were just all slopping about. But nevertheless, it was great on the boat. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Well, guys, we have a really interesting episode because um, this is the first time we've had, uh, I will say, older gentlemen on the podcast. Usually we have people me and Tanner's age, uh, but we're really excited to talk about some interesting topics with you guys. Um, before we get into anything, though, I have to ask. How you guys want to be addressed? Because I'm not going to be. I don't want Tanner saying dad, and then me saying dad, and then it's like that's a good confusing, point. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, do we want to go by first name? Like, I'd be like Mr. Joe, Mr. Trey. I, I'm good with Trey. Trey, okay. Yeah, yeah Joe's fine. You fine with me calling you Joe? Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just make it. You can call me Ken. Most people call me Tater Sal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, heard that. People call me Tater. That's good. And if you could refer to us as mature, not old. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we're not old. Yeah. We're not. We're not in the old category. We're not yet. there yet. Yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I'll start with I'll start with Mr. Ken here. Um, Ken is uh, he's actually one of my bosses too. Um, seasonally, I do work with him. Uh, for this oh, really? job, this yeah. for the football thing. Though? Yeah, like, yeah. I did not know it's that. It's pretty cool. Okay. So, so I have one of my favorite jobs I've ever worked is for this company called YSF, and it's um, it's a seasonal thing we do in March through what beginning of May. Right, and we have the Super Bowl. Right, right. We have a Super Bowl. What it is is it's um, it's called Youth Sports League, right? Does I say that right? And it's it's a football program for six to fourteen year olds, fifteen year olds, right? Somewhere around there, um, and. Uh, Ken is really good friends with the owner of it. And he's like this millionaire guy from uh, South Africa. This really cool guy that created this big um, thing for a bunch of people. Not even just in Florida, right? It's in the country. So, really, so what happened with Sandy Beckett is, it's funny, his son wanted to play football here. So he decided, and Sandy's one of these big, uh, he's, he's an out-of-the-box thinker kind of guy. He's not your normal dude. So Sandy said, you know what? And I'm going to use his. He's. I'm going to. I'm going to start my own league. And he started his own league, and his right. son played it. And then he had a couple teams, and then a couple teams grew, and then they grew, and they grew, and they grew, and the next thing you know, we have YSF. And I started it uh, with him back in the days when it was small, and we had a few little teams here and there, and then it grew and grew and grew. Now we're all over the state of Florida, and we're encroaching into Georgia, Atlanta, 
uh, you know, um, all of the, I think there's some places in Texas and we're getting ready to expand in California. So it's, it's growing big and you've seen a lot of it because you, how long have you been with us, Joey? This, I've done two years now with you guys. Okay. So is this a, like a, not really a competition, but it's in, competes with maybe rec ball in, well, in a... Well, the good thing, here's league. the thing about 8-on-8 eight eight football. Um, it's 8-on-8 eight eight spring league. It's very competitive because what happens is you get a lot of your Pop Warner leagues that are out there and a lot of the different AAU leagues and all these, and they get together and they compile these good players, right? And so every city, county, or whatever that wants to join into this league can do that with these certain ages of kids. And then it becomes really competitive. So we have a D1 and a D2, as you know, Joey. And a lot of the D2 players are the less experienced players. Now, the D1s, there's kids that have been playing Pop Warner and youth football for a long time, so they're experienced at it and they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, so the D2s can actually get hurt now, you know, if they're playing against some of these kids. So that's why we split them up. But now that it's grown so big and it's full tackle, it's an 80-yard field. There's no punts. There's no kicks, right? Yeah. It's just like arena football. Yeah. Um, but it's grown. It's grown, and there's a lot of athletes you see that come through there. I've seen probably 12 of them I know that are in the NFL right now that have made it their way through, you know, our league. And then they get on up to uh, high school and then to college, and there you go. Pretty cool. Some good athletes. Good games, too. A lot of fights, though, huh? <laughs> yes, yes, and that's what I was going to mention. So um, we run a field uh, in Jacksonville. Ken kind of travels everywhere he needs to, um, but he has definitely seen his fair share of – more ghetto games a lot you'd be surprised you think you know eight nine-year-olds playing football wouldn't be chaotic at all um but just the way things are um my job and and his job his job is you know a step above mine but essentially we all just run the fields um and make sure that you know everything's going smooth with the refs and the coaches aren't trying to pull any bs by sneaking in a 10 year old in an 8u game yeah. uh, which yeah. happens yeah, yeah, um yeah. They, they take this stuff very seriously um and also making sure the paperwork's in and stuff you know the logistics um but it is interesting because we can basically do whatever we need to do we can boss anyone around even the refs listen to us um so we'll go out there and you it's know we pay them. right like that's why they listen to <laughs> he's right he's right if at the end of the games you know we'll hand them the paycheck or whatever because it comes to us but um it is interesting because you have these fields with, you know, sometimes a couple hundred people um, watching games and whatnot, and they get crazy over sure. refs. There's, there's you know, kid playing, playing. Yeah, yeah. The kids playing too rough, or like there's, you know, a, a bad call. I was gonna say, then you got to deal with the parents, right? Because parents are. Yeah, and that's most of our problem. Right. You know, the kids. Okay, the team, the, the boys that are fourteen and up. They typically get a little testy, right? But mostly it's the parents. parents right. Always. Yeah. Always. And the they parents. just think that their son is um, going to be the next NFL star. And yeah. Some of them are just naturally angry people. Yeah. And we've weed a lot of that out in the beginning. We've gotten, we've come a long way to where we've seen so much of that going that we know how to circumvent sure. anything that's going to happen and try to make, you know, and you have to corral people right you, you have little barriers to keep them off the field so they th- they think if they can stand at the sideline that it's okay to go out and yell at the ref it's a blood sport to these people yeah 
They really think they would not act like they do in society that they need to do with that damn football well, field. Well, if you've seen them in society, they probably act that way <laughs> as well, right? Have you seen them on the road? <laughs> you know, I think you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not far from how they act normal. So. Yeah, and, and it's bad. And then you get a lot of that. We get a lot of this year, we've had quite a few gun threats. I was just going to say that we've had death threats before. Um, here in Jacksonville, it's really funny because, you know, you've got. Fathers, I think they're in gangs and shit pulling up, and um, they just they don't have anything on them, but they'll be sitting there pretending like they've got a gun in their pocket or something or in their pants, um, and we'll have to call the cops or escort them off depending on the situation. I mean, let's face it, the, the majority of the kids that are playing in it are black. I mean, they're from the black community, and you get a lot of the different, it, it's a whole different culture when it comes in there. Right, because a lot of them are really talented, and their parents and they like to talk smack to each other, and they like to fight, and, and and sometimes to us it looks like fighting, and it really isn't. It's just right. them talking a bunch of crap, but it does escalate into certain things. You know? Yeah, like the teams we've we've seen teams, um, like I remember the Super Bowl, right? Even more high stakes for whatever reason um, to them, but they it matters the most to these kids, and you know the last few games for especially the older kids, like the fourteen U, fifteen U, you'll see them getting really rowdy towards the end. Um, and like, I think, you remember that last game during the Super Bowl where the 15U team played? Yeah. And it was, they, they got blown out. Like, it wasn't like it was a close yeah. game. And they were, they were being so petty. The winners were being really like, right. like petty. And they were like, you know, like sideways running off the field waving going, bye, okay, bye. So the coach of that team was actually a former pro football player. Oh, really? Yeah. And the funny part was... At the end of that game, when I talked to him, because his kids were acting like, you know, out of control, as you just said. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, well, man, I said um, something to the effect of, you guys, you know, antagonizing a little bit there. He's like, oh, the other team just doesn't know how to lose. No, yeah, they were definitely antagonizing them. They were waving and shit, and, and you could just see them running after them. Like, they were running after each other like they were going to get into a fist fight. Like, it was really, it was crazy seeing, like, a mob go after a mob of 15-year-old kids. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the coaches had to jump in there. Team moms were pulling hairs and everything. Was, you know was what so I do funny. when that happens? Sure. That's the only thing you can do. Because right? any more these days, you don't know who's got a gun and who's yeah. doesn't and who's going to yeah. use it and who's not. Who, who here not. played football? I know you played football, Dad, right? I did. Joe, sorry. Joe. <laughs> you played football in high school? I played freshman football in high okay, school. Okay, how was that? It wasn't like that. I mean, obviously, they had some restrictions on, on, on how you behave. <laughs> it was a high school event and everything. But um, People ever get chaotic? Not to that extent. Not even close. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's obviously football is a competitive sport, so you're going to have that um, competitive dad and competitive mom, you know, um, still, you know, thinking that they – you know they're right all the time, and the coaches are wrong, or the refs are wrong, and, uh, and that their son is is the best you know player on the on the team, even if he's not. So, um, but high school is is definitely less you know aggressive than what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. But how old were you? You were like 15 still. Like, yeah, I was like 15. So like even so. the same age. I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's private, like youth sports. I don't know if if it's us or. Maybe they just feel like it's more official because it's like its own organization instead of just, you know, the high school team. That's probably That's why they exactly take it more seriously. It because a kid could get in trouble in high school, right? 
in the, at a high school game and then he can get expelled from school. He can get in trouble at a YSF game and not get expelled from school. Maybe yeah. go to jail, but he won't go to school. There's really no consequence for bad behavior in your league. Exactly. Kind of, I mean, you can throw them out, but there's and other consequences I mean, in yeah. high school. Yeah, right? you throw them out, big deal. Right. And you know when that doesn't affect them? At the end when they're losing yeah. At the very end, when they know that they have no hope to go to a championship, They're they don't act a fool. Yeah. And then you got to deal with them the next year. Yeah. And then that's when we've learned it. We've taken different steps on how to do that and, and try to reduce some of the stuff. But it always happens. Sure. Yeah, it's crazy. Did either of you play football? I did. You in did? high school, yeah. Um, Pop Warner growing up. But I wasn't that good. I was, you know, I mean, I, was, I didn't weigh that much. So I really couldn't compete uh, like the rest of the bigger kids could. But for some reason, you know, that what got me into this was really Tony and Francis. Really? Yeah. So, you know, when they, when they were moved over here and they got into football and I moved over here, I was like, man, i got to get involved somehow, you know. So I said, I'm going to get involved with the actual board of Pop Warner. And um, I did. And that got them the opportunity, Caitlin, Francis, and Tony, to play for free, which is huge. I mean, you know, that's over four or $500, you know. You got to buy the uniforms and this and that. So they played all the way through, and I was on the board all the way as president, uh, everything else. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, and then, so that's how I got hooked in with YSF, because they started a spring league, and we would... So the thing with YSF is they look for these other leagues like Pop Warner and they say, okay, here's your opportunity to make money and instead of a car wash. You, we're going to say you host a field, just like you see a lot of these people do, and they have a concession stand, they charge at the gate, and all this money comes back. Yes, they pay a fee to YSF, but then the rest of that money they put back in the organization. And it's more than a car wash for a day. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of the car wash, they made maybe a thousand bucks here. They're making four grand for their organization. So it works out a lot better. And you get a lot of them that see they have a criteria that they have to meet when they host a field. And that criteria is you got to be able to at least have three fields go at one time. You better be able to have concessions. If you don't, he'll pull you, right? And then you got to have it to where you can charge at the gate. And people pay. So all those factors come together because when Sandy gives them that bill, they got to pay him that bill. Otherwise, he'll say, you know what, I'm going to let somebody else host it. And the people that can facilitate all of that will make the money. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really interesting job. I, I enjoy doing it every spring. Um, I, I think Ken's a cool boss, too. We're very laid back. We just chill, you know. You kind of have to say that, though, Joey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to say that. Uh, I mean, it, so there's, I have two bosses technically. I have him and then we have the, the head of everyone, the, the founder of YSF. Um, and he's so funny because it's such a chaotic environment. Um, and he's always, he's a very smart man. Like he's, he's a little older too, um, but he knows his shit. Like I can see why he's a millionaire. You know, you see those people and you're just like, it's one of those things. He just um, thinks differently. Right, he just thinks differently. And, um, but he's always chaotic and he has that accent because he's from South Africa. So he's always like, so he's like, Joey, I need you to go to field one right now. Take care of this for me right now. There's a Florida Dominator mother here who thinks that she can scream at my ref. She wants to get out of the field right now. But I'll be yelling at Ken. Be like, Ken, 
Kid, I need you to get it. the scores right now. They're asking for the scores <laughs> for the last game. It's hard, it's hard to take him serious when he talks yeah, yeah. So listen, the funny part was, and Sandy gets mad at me because I imitate him well. And when we had that game over in Daytona, and he was yelling at the production crew because they didn't know what they were doing. So the production crew they gave us was a bunch of young high school kids that were learning. So they didn't run it like they were. So Sandy would literally come up to you like, what the fuck is going on? You're ruining my program. This is absolute bullshit. I do not want you to, and blah, 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 blah. And they were like all frozen. So Sandy finally went down to the field, and then I was like, you know, later in the day, we get so many games going, and I'm up in the booth, I get a little punch happy. So I started imitating Sandy. I heard him talking, and I'm like, you do not need to be talking. Run the action, you know, you're messing my program up. What the fuck is going on here? Are you all stupid? <laughs> he sounds like Stewie from... Yeah, it's, it's that a bit like a mean Stewie. Yeah. You're right. So, so they would all, like, they would, like, oh, Sandy in here? And then I left the mic with him, and he put it on even him. And it went to him, and they were laughing. So Sandy's like, we're eating dinner at um, Outback and having a few beers after. And he goes, by the way, you don't imitate me well. <laughs> and I said, you're right, I'll stop. You know? so, but he knows, me and you guys. I hope he listens to this later. He'll get a kick out of it. He'll sure. love it, man. Sandy's a cool dude. He's going to love this. Hell yeah. So, Joey, what drove you to start doing this? So, I've heard Ken and why he did it, but what drove you to... So, um, it was it was Frances. Um, okay. Yeah, she um, was big into it already because of him. Right. Uh, you know, her older brother did it for years. Okay. Um, and uh, she, she needed someone to, like, step up. Like, right. it was a very short decision that I had to make, like, in the time span. Um, I was like, yeah, I'll help out. And it was pretty decent money. Um, and... It oh, was, so this is not volunteer. You get actually. Oh yeah, actually, hey, yeah, it's okay. a full job. Yeah, it's a side job yeah. I do. You um, put your hours in on an app. Yeah, yeah, I put my hours in on an app. It's only once a week, uh, yeah. like every Saturday, until know. we get to the finals, and then you know okay. it's a little more. But um, yeah, that's really it. It's super easy. But I am there for a while. Like right. I'd get there like what, like eight a.m. Yeah, won't leave till the full day. Full day. I mean, yeah. you don't get a chance to to rest. There's a lot going on. Sure. Yeah. Um, but you get paid well. Yeah, it takes care of you. Cool. And there's more opportunities with it too. Yeah, she, I know she does it because she loves that power that you can. Like she's very power hungry. And like, like you know, the opportunity to just yell and boss people around. We kicked off this coitic coach um, with this one team. I'm not gonna say what team, but um, he was very cocky. He was in like the military or whatever. He like, but he was, a, he was he was very rude um, and he was yelling at everybody. And we're supposed to check in the teams and make sure everybody's there in, the, in advance. His team name rhymes with Oak Leaf Raiders. Right, right. But I won't say Yeah, but don't say the name. Um, but he, uh, I don't know, he was just having a bad day or whatever. It was raining a lot, and so all the games were delayed and whatnot. And so we had to move a bunch of stuff around. We had to cancel games and move them to Sunday instead of Saturday. And it was just really crazy because everybody was either there and they had to leave or they had to wait extra time. And he was mad that he had to wait. And then he was also mad because we checked in the teams after the game started just because of the timing on that. And he was like, I don't know why the fuck y'all are out here. He was like, you should have done your fucking job. You can get the fuck off my field. And his, his literal players are right there. Like, he's cussing in front of everybody. And she was like, your field? She was like, yeah, okay, yeah. She's like, that's not how you talk to me. Okay, whatever. And she walks up to the ref, and she's like, um, yeah, the ref's cussing, at, or the coach's cussing at me. Uh, go ahead and cancel the game. And, and we pause the game. We talk with the refs. Um, 
Uh, and the guy's like, yeah. He was like, cancel the game. I don't give a fuck or whatever. He was like being an asshole. Like, okay, sure. So do so, you want to know that what, what, what the behind that story happened? So she was on the phone with me, and I was in Kissimmee the time that that happened. And she says, Dad, Carlos just said that to me. And I'm just like, shut his game down. Dad yeah. teaching, shut his game down. He knows. Because, see, Carlos knows me, and he knows that I've been with Sandy for over 13 years. So they don't mess with me like they mess with them. And they mess with them because they're young. They camp them, right? See where the land. They exactly. Think you can get away with it. Exactly. So and they and so Francis looks like a little girl, right? That's and and they didn't. He, Carlos is kind of new, so he didn't he didn't know that Francis has been with me for a while, and then they think that they can mess with Joey. So Francis says, "What should I do?" I said, "Shut this game down." And she did. And I was like, that's what's going to get you respect with him. And you know what? It, it did. But the parents, <laughs> the parents had a lot to say about that. They were like, they don't need no fucking kids out here arguing with the coach. Like, like bitching and complaining. Like, grow up. Like, they were getting mad at us. Like, we had a problem with everything. Or, like, we didn't like being talked to a certain way. When in actuality, he was making a disturbance. Like, he was affecting everybody around. The, everybody could see that he was screaming. His players were really confused at him. His attitude was just not right. So we decided not to continue the game. It's the same, you're the same as an official at that time. So, right, you have the officials that you let run the field while the games are going on. They take over everything. But you're the ultimate – you're an official too. So he can't talk to an official that way. If he was to say that same thing to an official, they would throw a flag and eject him from the whole game, sure. right? Yeah. Same thing that Francis just did. So he has to learn, and he learned the hard way. Right. He didn't know. Maybe he couldn't correlate the two that you two were with me, but he would never do that with me because, well, you know. It had to do with the age. Cause me and Tanner's done some big events too, and people will come to him and tell him something. And then he'll tell them what needs to happen, and then they'll, they're, they're not good with that. They'll be ugly to they him. They just keep prodding the bull. Right. right. What, what events do you guys do? So we do this thing. It's, it's, it's a dirt bike race. It's, they don't, we haven't done it the last year or so, but it's, it's a pro national. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge deal. And there's how many people you think, Dad? Uh, 10,000 people. We wow. park like 3,500 cars and probably 400 campers. Like dirt bikes? Yeah, yeah, motocross. Okay. Yeah, like you see on TV, the yeah. Ken Rocks and the, all of that stuff we, is here in Jacksonville. They've had it here a couple of years. Okay. And so the, the guy that owns the place, I'm really good friends with. And so I'm in charge of their parking and his network out there. And so Tanner helps me with the parking. He's my guy that parks the campers and stuff. And oh gosh, same thing as in football, right? Parents are just, they've got these little five-year-old kids and the parents are the world's worst and they just they don't the place is completely flat and they'll get to a spot and says hey we don't like this spot it's not really level or something and I mean it is you know how Florida is right I mean yeah, it's just yeah. it's flat right <laughs> you know so but they'll test Tanner and then Tanner will have to call me on the radio and says hey this guy's and, and I don't I don't have time because I mean I'm 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 usually dealing with a whole line of campers that go at least 10 campers back. Yeah. I don't have time to deal with this guy that I've already gotten parked, already got him out the way. Yeah. He walks up to me. Well, now he's taking all my attention away from the people that need to be parked. The line gets held up. You held, hold it up too much. It gets out in the main road. <laughs> then that's a problem. Yeah. So they, then I have to call him and tell, you know, tell Trey, you know, hey, I don't have time to deal with this guy. Can you please come? shut him up or you know whatever make try to make him happy do whatever you can yeah we try to make him happy i mean you want him to have a good experience so you do everything you can do but i mean you still got a program to run and it, it it's tough it's um, it's tough because you know and some of those people that are bitching like that don't realize or they maybe they do i don't know maybe they get some great joy of 
blocking the whole line out to the road. Well, they're just self-centered, right? Exactly. All they care about, they don't care about anybody but themselves and making sure that they are the ones that... And they see that open door with a young kid. That's exactly right. So the thing is... I forgot that you, you know, you're riding motocross and everything. Uh, Tell me good. a little bit about it. Cause, so, uh, so I haven't, I haven't raced seriously in, for the last couple of years. Um, I broke my leg pretty bad, I think, in 2016. And so since then, I've kind of, kind of laid off of it. I don't, I don't race like I used to. I used to race at the national level. Did you used to race with Trevor? Oh yeah, yeah. That's how I met Trevor actually. Okay. Yeah, me and me and him met. Uh, at a at a track and um, what size bike do you run? I I quit on one twenty fives. Now he he's been doing it since he was five, I think he was five years old. So he started when he was five. I started on a PW fifty. PW fifty. Yeah. 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 Not even not even the fit like like it was like a PW. You know, yeah, the right. smallest possible yeah, bike yeah. you could get. Do you remember my neighbor, his little kid? I don't know if you saw him around. Um, Buzza. Yeah, his name is Buzza. He started yeah. when he was five years old. So yeah. yeah. I think he's nine now. Eight. They're trying to make him go pro or something, right? Like, I mean, they're all behind. You should see the money like, that they spend. Oh, no, I've been there. Believe me, I've been there. We traveled all so, over the country. So, I mean, he's, and he rides. He's, he's got, like, an Instagram and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's you. It's, it's, like, it's like go-kart racing. It is. These kids get into that, they have four or five go-karts in a damn trailer. Thing. Yeah. I mean, at How one time. How many bikes did we have that? We probably had, we had five or six. At one time, we had bikes. seven bikes. That's what I was going to ask. Because he was going to a training facility, so he was homeschooled. Yeah. He was going to a training facility. His mom was taking him. They would go and live there and train every single day. You get up, ride motorcycles till two o'clock. You go to the gym from two to three or four, and then you, I guess, go on a run or something. And at five o'clock, you go back and prepare your motorcycle for the next day, and you just start that whole cycle over again. Well, I tell you, is that like is that the normal routine? Because that's oh, yeah. exactly what my neighbor did. Absolutely. If, if you want to be anyone yeah. in the sport, you have to you, you have, have to train. To so train, what do you mean? Like is it more like cardio? It, no, no, yeah. this was at a facility. So you would go and you would start riding that day at a at a motocross track. Okay. And so they had just all kinds of different drills that you would do and you you maybe ride thirty minutes at a time. You may may do some sprints where you ride 10 minutes as okay. hard as you can ride and then stop then go back and ride 10 minutes and then stop and then you would do a 30 minute moto and i'm gonna tell you it's 110 degrees while you're trying to do this and you've got all this gear on i i actually don't know there's a lot back. of jumps though right? oh, oh yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah, big, oh, yeah. big jumps yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing to me because i'm not around it i don't see it sure. but i see his videos and everything yeah, yeah. And the jumps that this kid is doing at like eight years old. Absolutely. It's just amazing. And they're fearless. They are. They are. Because I ride motorcycles too. Okay. But I don't ride motocross. I ride right. street bikes. Sure. But I couldn't imagine having to jump some of these jumps that this eight-year-old kid is jumping. They don't even know? think about it. They I just don't, do I don't, it. I don't even understand how you do like, it. it I, but I, it's... One of those things where you know you have to go a certain speed. If you go too fast or too slow, it's gonna hurt. Yeah. Have you guys seen some you're, bad injuries? You're gonna eat. You're, oh yeah. I mean, we've seen people killed. We there, really there's, there's, there was a guy actually um, at that track that we work, and uh, he got paralyzed a couple years ago. Yeah. How, how old is the track range to like age wise? Like, oh, it's it's from kids who can four who years can old. barely walk like so four, four years old to 60, 60 65 oh, 70 yeah. years old yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. different classes yeah um it, it's very structured and you know it's there's a, a sanctioned body that does it and 
It's so very expect the bikes what for like the power of it that you're like a you know, one twenty five. Is that a class that you really is, nobody yep. can have a bigger bike or? No. You, yeah, you there's classes where you can ride like the, for example the two fifty class. If you want to, you can you have to ride a two fifty. You can't ride anything bigger. But if you want to ride a one twenty five in that class, go ahead. Do, do people win with a smaller bike like that? It's not common. No, it's, not really. It really no, it, it you might get lucky at like one race where there's no one really that good there. Yeah. But for the most part, no. You, See, I thought they all they all raced on basically the same kind of bikes. But, you know, they might have been souped up one from the other. Yeah, yeah. But a one twenty five is like a one twenty five race where everybody had a one twenty five. Yeah. Well, in that in that class, yeah, yeah, in that class, yeah, and in that in that class, yeah, everybody has a one twenty five. But you might have like, you know, there might be one race where it's a you know one twenty five class, and then the next race, totally, 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 totally separate race, the same day, same track, you know, whatever. They might be racing two fifties right after you, and then after that, it might be sixty fives with kids that are seven to nine years old. I mean, at the amateur level, there's probably I think there's thirty six classes. Um, and they run all 36 classes in a so, day. Yeah, so you can't exceed whatever power is there. You can only go to lower. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, and, it's, and it's age group too. So like there's, I think it's 8 to 13, 85cc stock and then 85cc modified. So, you know, and there might be five, year, five years to six years PW50s and then six to seven PW50s. So it's very broken up. You know, as far as age group and size of motorcycles. Well, do, you, do you? Sorry, go ahead. Do, do you notice anything when these guys? I notice a lot, like when the guys get bikes like that. They always have certain parts on them, and everybody gets that same part because it works really well. Oh, sure. What was something like that on the motorbike that was most popular? Man, I don't even know. I would have to say the the difference between an eighty five SX and an SXS is probably the. It, and it just had like a different initial module and stuff, yeah. you know, because they're pretty structured. I mean, you can't do anything. The stock to classes the stock were really, classes. really stock. But the thing was for the eighty-five. So, so by stock, the definition is it's the way it comes from the factory. Right. You don't touch it. Well, there was an eighty-five model that KTM made. It was eighty-five SX, yeah. and that was the kind of air quote base model okay. eighty-five. But there was an eighty-five SXS, which was also it was factory. It was bone, it was stock, but it had been hopped up a little bit from the factory, right. so you could race it in the stock class. Ah, but you, 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 yeah. your bike was going to be faster. So you now were these bike all two strokes? Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Up until a point, and then it goes to four stroke. Is you that know, the two fifty? Two fifties, right? You can ride Schoolboy, which is a one twenty five class, up until. 16 or 17, I think it is. I think it's 16. Is it 16? And then you have to move to a 250. Now, KTM, that's not a company that's here in the U.S., is that correct? It's an Austria company, which is Europe company, and it's not Australia, it's an Austria company, yeah. And they're they're pretty, they put a lot of R&D and a lot of money into motocross, and they've really... They've made a difference, um, and now today in Supercross, I think they've got KTM, Gas Gas, Honda, Yamaha, Triumphs coming on as a. They're developing wow. a motocross bike, which I've never heard of. Yeah. Um, I think Can Am is so. There's like six manufacturers in motocross right now. They keep coming out with more too. I mean, like yeah. Husqvarna, Gas Gas. They, yeah, Husqvarna yeah. and Gas Gas have just kind of jumped on the pro scene. Who? Husqvarna and Husqvarna? Gas Gas. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Hus- wait, they have a Husqvarna bike? Yeah, Absolutely. They're, identi- they're identical to a KTM. They make a hell of a weed eater, right? <laughs> <laughs> so if they can make weed eaters, they sure can make motorcycles. I didn't know that, man. Hey, while you're riding in that race, why don't you go over here and get them weeds over there? I probably didn't get them, uh, you know what I mean? That's a Husqvarna. Chainsaw bike, yeah, and they're so, they're so, identical to a KTM too. There's, there's Tanner, what do you have? Well, I have a YZ125 and a 250, and YZ. I also a YZ250. What is that? A Suzuki, Kawasaki, or Yamaha. 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 Okay. The the 250 is a two stroke, and it is an absolute animal. I started riding that bike when I was probably 14, and I rode it for like a day, and I went back told my dad. I said, "Hey, I said, can we like?" slow this bike down just a little bit because it was it was digging holes in the front yard because I we have a does it have a power band in it oh yeah yeah and it it's it's an animal it's yeah. I mean you gotta think about it man I was like 10, I was like 14 years old 110 pounds on this you weren't 110 pounds at 14 years old I'm only like 120 now I so. think you're 110 now <laughs> yeah I mean someone who's 90 pounds, you know, riding a bike for adults, you know, it freaking like rips well, your arms off. So, so with that power band that I mentioned, because I, I had a buddy that had, you ever heard of the Banshees, the four wheelers? Oh, yes. 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 And those were animals too. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize, you know, over a certain RPM with these things, if you go over a certain RPM, that power band kicks in. So that means like if you're downshifting and you're in second gear and you step on it and get past RPM, they that damn power band kicks in mm-hmm. and it'll throw you off of the bike it's so powerful yeah. it's is it the same with yeah. that it's like oh, yeah. you gotta watch your, your RPMs mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's how because like the, the 125 it was obviously a little more tame yeah. so you could ride it in the power band I rode it in the power oh band my God. but the 250 had so much power so much torque that I rode it like a four stroke because I was so little so light yeah. that it's like I wasn't even on I could ride it like a four stroke and you know <laughs> And keep it lower in the RPMs, and it still yeah. was like it still rode like an animal, you know. <laughs> it's funny. No man, I got introduced to the power band when that that Banshee, and the funny part was it was a you know a twist shift with a clutch like a regular motocross bike, and uh, my buddy's like, yeah, man, take it for a spin. So they're sitting there between all these trees, and I'm like, rah, 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 and I I downshifted, and somehow or another it hit that RPM, and that power band kicked in. And I literally was on one tire, jumping through. Now, me, I can see my life flashing before my eyes. Like, I'm going to hit this tree and I'm dead. And they're like, that's cool as shit what you just did. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I made it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, dude, get me off the same And they're like, dude, that was cool. I was like, I don't want to ride this anymore, man. I just so do you have a motorcycle now, Joe? No, I, I actually sold one last year. Okay. But I am looking to get another one. Yeah. Yeah. I did some road racing back in back in my younger kind of years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I had a. Um, it was a Honda Shadow, so it wasn't like a. You know, yeah. it was just some. Sure, to, that's a know, great bike. Around, you know, for yeah. a little bit. No, but it was cool. I I remember saying to him, I was like, "You kind of bought this out of nowhere." I was like, "It was like a midlife crisis." <laughs> 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 never rode a bike. I never seen a bike with him, and then he just gets one, and he was cruising down, driving by Cabbage Patch, all that, <laughs> doing the bike thing. But um, it was funny. I used to ride bikes when I was younger. Yeah, you know. sure. I think Some every kid did. Yeah. Some yeah. kind of bike, right? Yeah. I kind of gotten away from that, obviously. I'm old now, but um, just a, you know, a nice cruiser. Yeah. You know, just yeah. enjoy ride around and everything. Maybe participate in bike week when I can. And stuff. Yeah, I love going to bike week back when Tanner was, I guess he was just turned 15. I was like 15, 16. Probably. He had just turned 15. And since he had rode motorcycles, 
So he's been to Bike Week twice or three times. Do y'all ride their own bikes? No, oh. we, we, we have our own bikes, but he we would take them down there and he would ride a motorcycle and we've been down Main Street and Cabbage Patch and all that stuff, but he done Iron that horse, at 15. With Iron Horse, yeah, okay. 15, yeah. Is, yeah. That, was, that was interesting. Yeah. Cabbage yeah. Patch is fun, man. I tell you, um, <clears throat> so remember Girls Gone Wild? Remember that? It used to be oh, yeah. a long time. You remember yeah. they did the video and the girls would be flashing their boobs. Well, so I think I was the pioneer of that. So, and here's the reason why. You, did, you were the pioneer? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and here's the you reason. started the flashing the boobs. Yeah. <laughs> so, so a buddy of mine, his name is Pokey Mahan, and Pokey had a lot of money in the citrus business in Lake County. And Pokey just did whatever the fuck he wanted to. So he rented a big old tour bus, and he, he comes into, I used to work at Walmart in the Vision Center, and he comes in and dressed in a prison orange prison suit, and it said, it said on there, what you in for, right? Like that. And so he's like, hey, man, uh, we're going over to the Cabbage Patch, and we're going to film. Uh, I want you to film for me. I'm going to pay you to do that. And I'm like, well, dude, I'm working right now at Walmart. So, I mean, you know, what do you want to do? He's like, just come on now. And I, so I went to my manager, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to go with this. Uh, i got to go. I've got an emergency. So I ended up going with this guy, and he pays me pretty good, and all I did was film girls flashing their boobs. <laughs> and the Cabbage Patch, uh, the coleslaw, coleslaw wrestling. Coleslaw wrestling, right? Yeah. So I thought, that was cool as shit, man. It's not like we're on a tour bus. We pulled up, and people thought we were like a rock and roll star pulling up. So I'm walking out like, yeah, yeah Hank's in the bus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it was... Um, and it was interesting. So yeah, that was the first time. And then after that, all of a sudden, Girls Gone Wild comes out. Every night, you'd see Girls Gone Wild, blah, 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 show your boobs. That's what happened to us. So I think I started it. I should be getting paid reparations. Yeah, you should be, your, your percentage cut. Yeah, yeah. who do I talk to about that? Uh, mm. Your guy, Pokey, <laughs> I don't know. Pokey's <laughs> dead now, for God's sake. I guess I'm screwed. Yeah. The Cabbage Patch is a rough place. It's. You could get in trouble in the Cabbage Patch if you wasn't careful. <laughs> yeah. you know. A lot of those places you can get in trouble. Absolutely. I'm surprised you guys, so I didn't realize that a lot of people like know about it. I thought it was more low-key. Oh, no. The Cabbage yeah. Patch? Yeah. Oh, no. It's it's an attraction. <laughs> it's just like in the middle. Of, it is. I, I know it's always packed, but it's in the middle of nowhere, isn't it? It's like... So it's it is out in the middle of nowhere. So the yes. old guy that owns it lives upstairs. You know that? Yeah. And, and, oh really? And he's rich as hell. Oh, Don't I'm sure. Of money and he yeah. lives upstairs. Now. Did you know he used to be a science teacher? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and he just started it? Yeah, he used to be a science. He was actually my biology. Really? No way. What? Uh, so yeah. What's his name? What's his name? It was uh, Lusner, Roger Lusner. Yeah, Lusner, Mister Lusner. Yeah, yeah. He was my biology teacher. That's awesome. So Lusners actually own a farm supply in Samsula too. Lusners. Yeah. yeah. So he, you're right. That's yeah. funny, man. Yeah, yeah. And he just, that, he just know, lives on top of the just, bar. Looking at this man, you would never think that he would have one of the most popular biker's bars. Oh, sure. You know, sure. Probably in Florida. Really. And so so he's made all his all of his money, I guess, from the Cabbage Patch, I guess? He's, or does he have it's other... It's grown a lot. Yeah, and if you look at this place... It's, mean, enough, it's, just, it's a shithole. It is. I mean, it really <laughs> is. He's got all those camping areas yes. out there. And what he did was he had some electrician come out and put all these pedestals out there now for you yeah. to pull up and plug into cable. Right. And that just made it, you know, now he charges you a pretty yeah. penny. And he uses it for race week. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they do. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. for the parking, just for the camping and stuff. Yeah. They do and everything. Yeah. I think he's passed on 
Okay. Now, but I think his sons are running yeah. now. Yeah. We usually would stay in the speedway. We'd take the camper down there and stay in the actual speedway. And I would say it was like... It was a pretty good price, wasn't it? It was yeah. expensive. No, I mean, it's well, pretty good. the Daytona speedway? I, yeah. I'm not saying it's cheap, but I'm saying to stay there for 10 days inside the I speedway. I think it was like 1200 bucks for 10 days, which you got tickets to all the... You know, the motorcycle races, the supercross. You guys have the, the Rolex, too? Have you ever done that? I have not. I want to go to that. I told I've been to that. that have you? 24, I did when yeah. I was a kid. It's fun. I told we you went, with me, right? To we but you got to camp out in like an RV in, in field. Oh, dude. <laughs> so really appreciate yeah, it. Sure. You, know, I mean, you can sit in the stands, but it's not the same. Yeah. You can actually be on the infield. Yeah. Yeah. Party all night. Oh, yeah. I'd it's like to go one time. You went this year, right? No, I never went. You were supposed to with somebody, right? I thought you... I, I thought you were supposed to go. I would like to. I went when I was like 10. I, I just remember, I wasn't even interested in the cars. We were like walking around. There were girls next to like a Corvette <laughs> or something. And I wanted to take a picture with them. And it, I got so like confident. I was like 10, 11. Hot, like, as they would say, yes, you know, I'll take a picture with you. I, I went up to like, I remember this, I went up to like two random women. And I was like, can I get a picture with you? And they weren't even working. <laughs> they said yes. <laughs> take a picture with it's two random, like, two random, like, oh, awesome. pretty older girls. Yeah. That's funny. I don't even think they were working any kind of shows. I mean, there were actually two girls visiting. Yeah. <laughs> there for the race, too, right? The race. Yeah. yeah. Just felt sorry for the kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's make this kid's day real yeah. quick. Yeah. yeah, but the Rolex is cool. I mean, we, we had a friend with like an RV or something, a camper, I think, and just chilled. It was fun, out. man. I've done that. And then when we went out and we walking around to the whole thing and found a tent that was everybody was playing poker, and we sat in and played poker with it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, to like the wee hours of the morning, too. Really? It's a party. Oh, I, all of those events are the 500, yeah. all, everything that's in the infields. Uh, you really don't even care to watch the race Not after really. those 500 people. They just go just to yeah. drink beer. And that's you can't see from in there. You no, see you one little portion of the track. It's loud as hell, man. Yeah. Only I was actually, like, it's funny that you say that because I was actually at the race when Dale Armhart died. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. I believe it was on turn four that they yeah. crashed and everything. But where we were, we were in the back stretch, and we were up in the stands and everything. And right in front of us, before Dale hit the wall, right in front of us, there was a huge wreck. Right. I mean, a massive wreck. It yeah. was, and everybody had their attention on that, and we were and watching then, that. And well, his wreck didn't seem wall. very big. It, no, it, it's unbelievable know. that wreck came. It was to the point yeah. where we didn't even know he passed right. until we were already out of the stadium going and, home. And then it was announced. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, so. the way he hit that wall, it was like, like you said, the wreck before was huge. Yeah. Yeah. And you thought somebody would have died now, but his was just like, boop, hit the wall. Well, you, you didn't even talk about the best part. You met him right before that, didn't you? No, that was uh, <laughs> that was when he won the 500. Right. Well, it's kind of a funny story. It's more for my wife than it was me. Right. But, um, see, we, you know where the fly-in is? Yeah. Over, you know, in Port Orange. Yeah. Yeah. Right, the fly-in yeah. is, um, it's a gated community. Um, it's, like, really nice. Everyone there has, like, fancy houses. And then, like, their backyard is, like, a airport. hangers. Like, John Travolta has a house in there. Well, yeah. they kicked um, him out because he had too big of a plane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and there's a I picture there of him flying that big son of a bitch. You're done, Mr. Freaking, uh, what, you know, what movie was he in? Mr. Grease. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Grease, get your ass out of here. <laughs> Grease and then... Um, uh, what is it? Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, yeah. Well, I like yeah, exactly. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But what were you saying? So so you were in the flying. But anyway, um, Gina, my wife, she um, she had friends that actually owned an airport in the flying. Right. And uh, she was looking for her friend and she couldn't find out. She couldn't find where the airport was. So she asked me if I would go back there and she asked me to stop at a house. Okay. 
And I waited in the car at the time, you know, and she had ran up and asked these gentlemen in a garage if they knew where the airport was. Well, they, they kindly directed her where it was and everything, and, and um, they're very polite to her and everything, and very nice, and they said, um, um, and they basically were trying to get around to, well, we don't come down here very often, we only come down here for when, you know, we're racing, and right. stuff is basically what she said. And she goes, okay, well, I'll help you win your race. And, and she went off to the car, and we went to the airport, didn't think anything of it <laughs> or anything. And then we were watching the 500 the following day, and she pointed out Dale, and was like, I met him. Oh, he was there. <laughs> she didn't even know. know. She didn't even know. Oh, nice. That was the year Dale Well, there's some race car drivers that live in there. Yeah, I don't know if he had a Sterling house there Marlin or whatever, but, but I know he was there, and she pointed him out. And, and then how further was that from his passing? With the, oh, I'm not exactly uh, sure. It was, it was many years yeah. after. Yeah. That. yeah. So Sterling Marlin lives in there, and he probably could have been visiting him. Um, but you know who else? So I know Mark Martin used to. Uh, yeah, yeah, Martin that's Martin. right. You know, his wife used to shop at Publix, because I work at Publix. Uh, and uh, she used to shop at Publix all the time. Really? All the time. I mean, I guess they're just that normal they people. Is the fly-in, right? you think? Yeah. yeah. That's when they live in the fly-in. You know, I've seen a picture of Sterling Marlin just three days ago. He... He has lost so much weight. There must be something wrong with him. Really? You had to look at him and say, "Who is that?" And he was holding a helmet that said Sterling Marlin. But he is—I bet he don't weigh 120 pounds. Wow! I wonder it, if he has cancer. I, I don't know. Somebody said something about him having a disease, wow. um, but they didn't really say. And I never really looked. But he looked really bad. He was on so. top of his game for yeah. a while too. Yeah. It's you, you know who else that. lives in the fly-in, y'all? That you probably <laughs> don't know, but the lead singer of ACDC. And he's heavily into racing. Really? Uh, yeah, he's, I didn't know that. he races go kart, uh, or not the <laughs> go karts, but uh, what are the little sprint cars that had the uh, little wing on the top and then they race on the dirt tracks? Not the World Outlaws. It could be something like that. Yeah. Cause, and then the funny part is, my buddy used to make cart kits. They were into racing go karts. So they had this company that would make these cart bodies and they because they break all the time. Sure. So this guy calls them to make them a, a fiberglass or carbon fiber seats and stuff for his, and they went over to see him, and it was the lead singer of ACDC. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and that was probably four or five years ago. I don't know if he still lives there. <laughs> Interesting, huh? Yeah. I want to get into some more personal stuff about you guys. Um, we'll start with you, Joe. You talk about how you work at Publix. Um, how long have you been with Publix now? <laughs> Too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I started Publix when I was 16. Oh wow! And nice. Wow. So. Yeah. You know, and you've been there ever since. Yeah. Wow. So. Um, I bet you got some good benefits. <laughs> so, um, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it comes out to be about thirty-five years. Wow. And so, you know that shows some true dedication and and patience as well, right? Because I'm sure that some things you didn't like about the way a decision was made or whatever, and to be able to, or, or maybe a boss you had that wasn't maybe the best or a good boss and you had to push, you know, through, push through that and just keep doing your job, right? So that's, well, that's I can remarkable. tell you, I mean, I mean, Publix has been very good to me. They really have. Yeah. I mean, they've been able to basically provide my family over the years and uh, what I've been able to give back to my family. Yeah. You know, so as a Publix, because, you know, I don't have a college education. I really didn't. Sure. Uh, I just went into management soon after high school and I've been with them since. So, yeah. so you're a manager now over there? Well, I am currently. I, I'll tell you, this, I had a, a kind of a weird career path with Publix, to be honest with you. Uh, like I said, I started when I was 16. I got full-time right out of high school. And I was full-time maybe for a couple of years, and that's when they moved me in management. 
did that for about 10 years and then I came out of retail and I went into the corporate side of it mm -hmm. and I did that for 15 years yep. and then um, just you know 50, about 15 years later I decided that I had enough of you know the corporate level and I went back into a store and then um, I've gotten to the point now um, that I'm able to do this which I, I'm very appreciative I wouldn't be able to if Publix didn't give you what they did sure. but I'm actually going back down to working in a store as a full timer where there's no stress. Sure, nothing. just no... Re just, you know what, I call it, I call it pre-retirement. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's... Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So I call it pre-retirement, and I'm going to do this for about five years, and I'm going to... Now, what do you do there now, though, when you say you're, you're, you're ramping well, down? Well, I'm, I'm a manager now, but right. I've made the decision to step down. And yeah. that actually takes effect next Friday, so... Oh. So <laughs> this is new, hot off the press. <laughs> so um, I plan to do that for about five years, and then just retire. Yeah. So, now, where is Publix... Where is their... Main office? Where's their corporate? In Florida. So they're a Florida company. Yes. Okay. But we have stores in I, no, six different states. Sure. Yeah. Know, and stuff. But we're, we're continuing to grow. Yeah. We really are. Now, is Publix a public traded company or are they a private trade? private trade. Private, yeah, I thought yes, so. It's a private trade. But, yeah, same with Stockholm. Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which is, you know, um, I think that's part of their success, to be honest with you, because the employees own the company. Okay. Have, you know, if you work a certain amount of hours with Publix, what they have what they call as a profit sharing plan and yeah. what they'll do is they'll actually give associates stock based on how much money they sure. make that year. Yeah. So um, majority of the associates that are working for Publix right now own stock with Publix. Yeah. So they have they own part of the company. Yeah. So and I think Mr. George, you know, Mr. George was the founder. I think he believed that, you know, by associates owning part of the company, they would be much more passionate. Yeah, how they go to work. Should, yeah, they show up to work. I'll be honest with you, that's that's a big part of the success for sure. Publix. It really is. Yeah. That, you know, if employees feel like they, you know, personally that they they contribute and that, and that they own part of the company, they're going to just work that much harder for you. Yeah, they run a good store. Everywhere you go, you see that most Publics are at a pretty high level compared to other stores. I've noticed, and it's I guess it's all the management type. Well, another thing is we promote from within. Yeah. So, you know, there, you, you can't have a college education and come in and just say, oh, I want to manage and apply for a manager's position. Right. It doesn't work that way. Uh, you actually have to work your way up. Sure. I've definitely seen why the opposite doesn't work nearly as much, too. I agree 100% that I think public success comes from how um, to get to the position of, of authority or like the higher positions, you have to work your way up. You have to care about the company first. Um, and the benefits fall into that afterwards, you know, and that relationship between you and your position and the money you're bringing in definitely translates into your performance. And, you know, even the, like, not just the associates, but the customers see a difference for sure. Um, I used to work at Buffalo Wild Wings and like any other kind of basic corporate job, you'll see people coming in. Like I had managers coming in from other positions, from other jobs and not caring and treating us far less than they could have. Mm -hmm. um, but when I used to work at Publix too, I worked almost five years there. Um, and I still say this, I've worked at Publix, Buffalo, Wild Wings, um, uh, Chipotle, this one warehouse job at BJ's um, Wholesale Club, which is like Sam's Club. Yeah. Um, and now I'm a server. And I would say serving second best, Publix number one best treated by far by my uh, employers, by far. I stand by that. So. 
um, I think that's a great company for sure. Not just because my dad works there, um, <laughs> but I just think in general, you know, just the way they are. They're always really nice, really helpful. When we were moving, they were more than happy to give us a bunch of boxes and stuff just because oh, they wanted to help yeah. us out. And uh, even like when I was growing up, I remember um, taking like a field trip in like second grade to Publix. I don't know why. I guess <laughs> we we're just learning about Publix. Uh, but we went to my dad's store in New Smyrna and I was so excited to see him. And like he was busy that day because he was he had multiple stores he had to take care of. Um, and the employees knew I wanted to see him. So they were taking care of me because he couldn't be there. So I just thought that was really cool. I always thought it's neat that Publix hires, I guess, mentally challenged people for their baggers and stuff. And I, they were kind of the first to do that, I feel like. And I thought that was... a a nice way of doing things right I mean and that's just cool to see well they just you know they they, they, they um, truly believe that everybody should have a chance sure and everything yeah. so um, and that's why they've you know they've made yeah. a decision to be able to do that yeah and, and that's going to be tough to be to interview those people and kind of figure out which ones can actually do that role yeah. you know because it I've seen some of them um, in that role that were actually cashiers, you know, yeah. doing, and they were mentally challenged in some way, but they were doing that job, yeah, and doing I, it good. Yeah, right. I think that's great that they can showcase that, and and you know they took that leap of faith to to do that, right? Where other stores says no, we can't, yeah. we can't do that. And now I see like Kroger, I think does the same thing nowadays. So God, you know they're kind of leading, leading that, you know, path. And making other people do it as well, so that's pretty cool. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Trail. Um. Where are you working? Actually, um. You're from South Carolina. Yep. Okay. Tanner, Tanner and I both are from South Carolina. You can tell I was, the accent. Yeah, yeah. I was born and raised there. Um. Certainly did not, you know, want to, to or, or I won't say didn't want to move, but I never had a plan to move. Right. And, um, you know who you remind me a little bit? Who's that? Matthew McConaughey. Ah. Okay. Uh, you see it? You see I it, do, man. Matthew McConaughey. Do y'all hear the southern accent? Because I really don't. I don't. I, I don't hear it. I think he does have a southern. It's, it's the accent. I think you also kind of look like him too. Yeah. 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 I just, I'm like Tanner. I don't ever hear the accent, but like if you go somewhere that's not like southern, southern people are like, "Where? Yeah, you you got to be from the south, right?" And yeah. I'm like, "Well, yeah. Don't everybody talk like this?" <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you doing for work? Um, I work for Comcast. Um, it's a local okay. cable company. I'm the director of engineering for Comcast for the northern Florida region. So my area is from Orlando all the way up to Brunswick, Georgia, and over to Panama City. I, um, I maintain 52 data centers um, for, for them. Um, that's in my umbrella. and So that's really what I do. I have 30 engineers working for me. And, um, do you have a lot of drive time having a big area? I do not. Um, I've got three managers that work for me, and um, so it's it's really broke out really well. Most everything I do today is virtual. I, you know, since the pandemic, I haven't been to the office in I think two and a half years. You work from home. I work from home, nice. so um, it's been really nice. And like you, I've been there thirty six years. Oh, wow. I started started at seventeen, and um, worked my way up, and just kind of. Just like you, very blessed and very fortunate that, that they've provided me a great living. Um, I've been able to provide Tanner a great childhood, and um, you know I, I can't complain. If I've got let go tomorrow, I can't complain because it's been an awesome, awesome ride. I've got to do so many cool things, you know, from working there. Just 
you worked the Masters? I've worked at the Masters for 20 years, and uh-huh. I've got to meet a lot of people there. I've played golf there twice. Um, just, it's been an incredible ride. I've done things that you never would think you could do from a job, and right. so it's been really great. Um, and I've watched the industry grow, too. It's been um, awesome to see it go from 12 channels of TV to what it is today, you know, mobile phones and internet and all well, these things. changed for you? I mean, you know, back in the day when the cable was cable and now it's more digital, did that change you guys? Oh, did sure. You to adapt to it? I, absolutely. You know, we're, we're a, a really big technology-driven company. Most of our stuff today is software-driven where it was all hardware and very mechanical-driven. Sure. Now, today, it's very software-driven and like you say, going from analog to digital and, yeah. and from coax to fiber and just, it's been an incredible journey and certainly it's been a challenge to keep up with technology. It is a public traded company, so there's a trade-off, you know, of yeah. you can't deploy too much because you've got to make Wall Street happy and yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough, tough go, go at it. But Well, now they have a lot of satellite it's driven stuff, right? Yeah, we, well, we do. Most most everything, we've got a pretty large network of fiber optics across the United States, so most stuff we have a one centralized satellite farm and everything else is distributed over video or, or data, right? Um, sure. and, and it's over our, our fiber optic network, so it actually comes from Denver. Everything we get comes from actually Denver, and it's all converted to data and sent to us on routers and we pick it off the router and convert it to... So somewhere you guys had to change over to servers yep. and, and things that you didn't use. Yep, we used to have these huge boxes that with satellite receivers and yeah. video deciphers and things like that. And now, I, you know, my data centers are all a bunch of servers and routers and switches and Ethernet cables. And, and you've seen it all I, I, from all the beginning it. to yep. now. I, absolutely. It's kind of like know. League Magic. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this. Um, we have Comcast here. Yeah. Amazing service. I'm going to say right yeah, now. Yeah. 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 Wi-Fi is great. You have fiber? But then, I don't know. I don't, I don't probably know. not. It's probably fiber to a point out there, but he probably has coax to okay. to the house well, itself. That was going to be my question. What is the difference? I mean, how, how, how big of a difference is it switching I, from fiber to... You know, it's just a it's just a different way of delivering signal. Um, they both are, are very comparable. You you get the people that say you can't deliver the speeds with coax as you can fiber, but you can. Um, you just have to let the technology work for you. We deliver one gig service to most homes with coax, so it is possible. I think the the possibilities are more with fiber. You can do a lot more with it, but obviously there's a huge infrastructure cost to that um, because you have to get fiber to every home and then you have to convert that light to something usable, right? And and so that there's a lot of cost in doing that. So we kind of do it as we go kind of transactionally and kind of slowly get to that point where we don't have to just go out and build this huge fiber optic network you know, it's it's all we're doing it slowly. It makes sense. Yeah, it's amazing. Very interesting. So, um, Ken, what else are you doing right now? Aside, obviously, why is that the seasonal? So, off season, what are you doing? Well, you know, um, I've been in the fence industry for quite some time, and pavers, and um, I sell fence now for a large company over in Daytona called.
called AAA Fence. And and the weird part, I was when you were just t- saying that you know you went up to corporate, mm-hmm. and then you came back down and you're just kind of cruise control. Well, that's kind of someone's phone. That's kind of what I do did because I was a general manager at um, all phases for seven years, and I had to do all the stress of talking to the customers and making sure this. Was and now I get a sales position. A big fence company, so I'm actually doing a lot better just as a sales guy. I have the management skills, but you know what? I don't want to do it. There's a young guy doing it. I let him have it, (laughs) and you know what? It takes a lot of the stress, and I sell, 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 man. Lots of fence. Fence is going off. I mean, we're going crazy right now. We're the busiest one in Volusia County, pretty much all around. Yeah, we make our own. We make our own vinyl fence. We have a, a company called Daytona Vinyl that's right next to AAA. So they manufacture all the vinyl fence that we sell, and we sell it to our competitors. So these other fence companies buy from us too. And then we manufacture uh, and fabricate all of our uh, gates and automated gate openers. Mm-hmm. So I, I basically make commission off of these things, and I make a certain percentage. But when you sell one job, you know most of these jobs are running ten to thirteen to eighteen thousand dollars. Now you ask, where are these people getting this money? <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm asking. Right now. <laughs> but they got it, and they're spending it. And That's I can't crazy keep up to with me. the work. It's crazy. Do y'all do chain link fence too? Or yeah, we specialize in that. And okay. That's the cool part with chain link. A lot of people, a lot of fence companies, don't like to mess with chain link right. because it's too too many little parts in chain link. Sure. And a lot of their installers are simply just too young, and they just don't know how to do it. Right, because it's, it's an, an art, art, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's an old timers thing. Sure. So we is have it cheaper than a traditional roof. Anymore, it's not. Um, actually, you know, if you were to get, let's just say, a black chain link fence, and you want to price a black chain link fence with two gates around here versus a aluminum, nice aluminum four foot with two, you'd pay less for the aluminum. Here's why: aluminum, you have less. You got your pre-built panels that are already there, so it's less. Um, you put less uh, labor hours into the aluminum when you install it, but the chain link is a different animal. You have to set the post, you stretch it, you put all these little parts and pieces on so it might take twice as long to do a chain link job. So therefore, the labor jumps up a little bit more. So the material cost is is more for the aluminum, but it makes it up in labor. Almost. And that's and I'm glad you said that because the other thing that I was going to add is now the material has gone up, uh, prices of galvanized has gone up quite a bit, just yes. like wood. Okay, wood and vinyl, the price of lumber has gone up. It's it's trying to even off now, but it's gone up to where it makes a vinyl fence and a wood fence, uh, 500, 400, 500 apart. I think we just spoke of that. Yeah. Same thing with aluminum and chain link. It's the same route. So. You have the too much labor price has gone up. Just it's just at the perfect storm, right? And who wants chain link? Right? Yeah, and I guess in some areas, so like I live, we live on the water, and I would rather somebody put up a chain link fence because it doesn't block the view, right? And a black one is kind of transparent once it gets up. So I would rather put up a chain link or a wrought iron. Right. you know panel fence than and say they, a wooden fence yeah and a lot of, with the wrought iron a lot of people mistake the wrought iron fence is just it's basically just your aluminum fence wrought iron is so expensive anymore um, the only time you see real wrought iron is like in Savannah yeah you know when they have those custom gates right. and somebody's really doing it but you would pay through the nose for wrought iron to be 
powder coated okay. on that. So I guess that's what my the house two houses down they just put up a fence and I guess it's aluminum then it's because it's like these panels like what I would call raw, wrought iron mm -hmm. but it's you know black and it's got you, you know, four inches between yeah, the yeah, pickets yeah, yeah yeah and it's real small pickets you know like yeah. two inch or an inch maybe yeah but it was it was good because you can see through it yeah. right so it doesn't I can see down the river you know it doesn't block and, and well a lot of the municipalities around here have codes that say if you're on the water you can't come past your house with a six-foot fence and block your neighbor's view so yeah. you have to have something with a, a little bit of opacity and and, right. and that would be your picket fences in your um you know aluminum fence like okay that, yeah with that and and then you would pass with your code yeah uh, so um aside from that though i'm just curious is that what that's your main job right now uh, well, you know, that is, that's my nine to fiver, if you want to call it that. I work all the time, so it's I saw weird. the Uber on your um, your truck. Is that Uber? <laughs> that's the 2 a.m. Yeah. That, yeah. That's so, so it can go to the grocery store and not cost you any money. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Okay, so Uber is my other little channel of making this side hustle. And um, I, I don't particularly do it anymore because I'm selling League Magic now. Um, oh, yeah, the software? Yeah, so I always have a side gig. Right, yeah. no matter what, I'm just or multiple side gigs yeah. sounds like. <laughs> so it's easier for me now rather than to drive because there's crazy people out there. Uh, and Uber was fun for a while, but I'm tired of it. Yeah, can't even imagine doing that. God bless the people that do, right? But yeah, I can't imagine it. I wish I would have had a video camera on in some of the car in my <laughs> truck. Some of the people that I picked over, I've done it for three You're years. You pick it up, and what kind of truck do you have again? A Ford F one fifty. Um, and it's a four-door, but it's got the leather package in it. Yeah. So it's really roomy. Yeah. Um, Big brown truck yeah. pulling up, yeah. picking up people. People love it. Like, they'd get in there like, ooh, we got an F-150. You know, <laughs> and I had the music playing. But a lot of times I would only pick people up by the beach, like, before they're about to go out to eat. Sure. They're in a good mood. Yeah. You take them and they're in they're a nice truck and they're listening to reggae music. So you don't pick up like the Saturday night drunks. Or At 3 a.m., no. no. I learned <laughs> that's, quick. That's us, <laughs> That's us. Ten of us, ten of us trying to cram in a six-person. Yeah. I remember three years ago, it was like this week actually, um, one of our buddies, Anthony, was in an Uber back okay. from some frat party. And we had been drinking like fruit punch or something. Yeah. We didn't know it was fruit punch at the time because it was like this weird red color, but he was thrown up on the seats. Oh. And we thought it was blood in because the Uber? it was red. Yeah. yeah, no, That's yeah. And it stained the seats yeah. really bad. Did he they, get charged for it? Well, it, my other roommate got charged. His dad got charged because it was on How his car. How much did he get charged? It's like almost $200. I was going to say, it's like a $250 okay. cleanup. Well, I'm going to tell you what it is because it happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in Orlando. Okay, so... One Saturday, I was Ubering, and I was like, I, I live in New Smyrna. So I pick up a, a ride from New Smyrna to Orlando Airport. I'm like, that's $100 right off the bat. I'm right. taking it, yeah. right? So I get over there. I said, well, while I'm here in Orlando, maybe I'll Uber here and then go home real quick and just make a certain amount of money and go yeah, home. Sure. So <laughs> it's Sunday fun day in Orlando for the college students. So I ended up in downtown Orlando at a bar. And it's a girl that's on the phone that's wanting me to pick her up. And I said, okay, no problem. Well, I'm sitting with my hazards on waiting for him to come out of this club. And she shoves some guy in my truck. And, I, you know, or like he opens the door, he gets in. And I'm like just sitting in there listening, looking in the mirror. I say, hey, man, what's up? And I hear, ooh, ooh. And I turn around, and this guy is puking in a 
gar- in, a, in a shopping bag, a public shopping bag. <laughs> and I could see it. And I said, oh, no. I said, get the fuck out of my truck right now. And he was like, wouldn't listen to me. He had his head between his knees. And he's still puking in this bag. Probably couldn't even hear you. Probably wasn't even listening. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. So then she opens the door right next to him. And she says, I'm so sorry. I'm so I said, sorry. I said, get his ass out of my truck. Because if he pukes in my truck, I'm charging you. And she's like, I'm sorry. So whatever. And then the cops pull up behind us. Whoop, whoop, you know, get out of the way. So finally, he gets out of the truck. And he spilled a little bit of puke on my on the floor mat. I was mad. So I was like, that's it. I turned the Uber app off. I rode over to the 7-Eleven, vacuumed it out, but I took pictures and did everything and they got charged $180. Wow. And does that go, that goes all to you? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, so I've always been curious about, I've never known anybody. So have you, did you track financially everything that you did took into account the wear and tear on the vehicle and all that and did you actually make money when you or did you figure it like that? So, and here's the thing, no. And when you look at it, Uber was just a cash flow for me. Right. Yeah, I had expenses on my vehicle, and I didn't, you know, and I drove it. So I've always had a job where I've had a company vehicle, right. and I have one with AAA. So I drive that throughout the week, right. and I only drive my truck minimal. So, right. but putting the gas in it now, the gas prices have yeah. gone up. It kind of slowed me down with Uber. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't balance out. Right. But if I wanted to go and make a hundred bucks cash real quick, I could make it in four hours right. and probably use a quarter tank of gas, right? right? Um, you know, oil changes and everything I would have done to my truck anyway. Sure. Um, but if I was doing it as a job, uh, you'd never make a living. Yeah. I was wondering if people can actually make it's a It's got to be a side hustle. Right. And you got to limit your time and you got to know who to pick up and who not to sure. pick up. What? Yeah. So what I mean by that is like airport rides are great for Uber. Yeah. You can sit in the airport lot and wait on airport rides. Mm-hmm. Generally, they're not drunk. They're on vacation. Generally, they're in a hurry. They're in a hurry. <laughs> and they'll pay you and they'll tip you. Yeah. And they're good rides. Yeah. Um, the bar drinkers at late at night, stay away from it. Yeah. You're not going to make any money. You're only going to go $5 here, $5 there when you can make... You know, if you can hit $20 trips here and there, it goes quicker. You make more money. Yeah. And you just turn your app off and go home. So I'd set a goal of what I wanted to make, and then I just... Do you determine the pricing, or is that all done by Uber? It's done by Uber. Right. Just so, mileage and time of day and but here's availability. The, here's the twist with that. Um, a lot of times Uber wasn't that busy, so then I would do Grubhub at the same time. Yeah. So I would play the apps off of each other. So I'd have Grubhub on my phone, and I'd have Uber Eats and Uber. So whatever one hit me first, I could choose and say, oh, I'm going to make this much money delivering that Grubhub. I'm going to not do this right. So from a driver's standpoint, do you get to choose... You, you can look at what's available and, and click on it and exactly. say, this is what I want to take. It doesn't automatically assign. You don't go on do yeah. and, and it automatically well, assigns. Well, when you first start, it does. Okay. And then when you get there for a while and you get to their le- different levels, they, they give you these little upgrades in your uh, system. Right. And then you can actually see where the rides go and see how many stars the person has. Um, and, and, and when you play apps off of each other like that, you can literally pick which one you want to take. Yeah. So I can see a Grubhub app that's gonna a Grubhub pickup might pay me twenty bucks when this Uber ride's only gonna pay me four. Yeah. Fuck the Uber ride. I'm taking Grubhub, yeah. right? And then they would each go and at the end of the night I would just cash out 
into my account, mm -hmm. and it was a little. I got a little credit card that says Uber on it, and then basically I could fund the money over to that, and then um, the tips would roll in afterwards. Like right. All yeah. they would calculate the tips, and all of a sudden, my I'd look at it and be like, "Yo, you received four, you know, forty dollars yeah. or you know, stuff like that." So, but that was a thing in the past. I've, I've kind of quit doing that now. Uh, I, you know, Lead Magic is keeping me really busy. Yeah. yeah. And that's selling software and stuff. The software that you use uh, for eight on eight. We have a software so for youth sports. Uh, you know, keeping track of the kids' uh, birth certificates, their ages, making sure they're not cheating. Uh, scores. There's a software that was actually made from YSF. Sandy, the guy who made it, and the guy who write it, and we used it just for YSF, and it made us very efficient. Right. Like we could literally go on the field now with just a phone and take a picture of you and your whole things in there and your birth certificate and you can play. And then the next year you come back it might say, oh, your age limit's putting you up to another one. But we use our cell phones. And so now we're selling it to other organizations nice. out there. Hmm. So, and they can do the same thing. Does it keep up with stats? Like it does. It, as well? It does. It keeps up with stats. It makes playoff uh, brackets. Mm -hmm. Um, and things like that all, and all you simply do is just put the information in with the scores and then once it goes along like that it'll actually keep up with all of that oh, nice. it's got a lot of functions and the thing with League Magic is it's fully configurable to whatever organization so if you have the Jacksonville what's the Jacksonville team that we use the Jaguars oh you're talking about football team yeah, <laughs> yeah we all got, got that from my bad um, <laughs> well let's just say the uh, Orange the, Park Raiders okay we like Orange Park um, Orange Park is on that app, and they use it, and they can configure their uh, they configure their logos and their their uh, their documents can be e-signed, and it's just their documents that they require on here. So, because when you check in teams and you're certifying them, it's a it's a pretty heavy deal. Like you're really you got parents standing once again with. Oh, this is my child's this, and uh, do I have to sign this? And how much do I have to pay you? And it's chaotic. You know, in, in motocross, there would be parents that had fake birth certificates because they were they wanted their older child to race in a younger class because <laughs> it was an advantage, and they would actually have a fake birth certificate to to do that. Well, That's they do crazy. a lot of that in football. Yeah. And this this catches it though. Yeah, it can catch. The, the, right. So we they don't get a chance to cheat like they do. What are you yawning for, man? Are you tired? Yeah, we woke up super early today. Oh yeah, we did. Right. And we did a lot of fence work. You a lot of fence holes. work. You dug he some killed holes. Us. Huh? What'd you say? <laughs> he dug some holes. Oh yeah, I was digging holes out there all day. <laughs> it was that manual labor. It was a lot of manual labor. It was great though. I I loved. Um, how we set it up and everything, it looks really good. I'm, yeah. I'm happy with everything. I hope and like yeah, after we finished it, I mean, it was for Zeus, my dog. He loved it. His way of saying thank you was to take his shit right in front of where we were working. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really good. So, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? We good? Well, well we hit the mark. Oh, did we? Yeah, we hit the mark. We actually passed it perfectly. So, so I won't talk about. My sex change or anything. <laughs> no, we'll say that for next time. How you identify that <laughs> after you well, transition. Yeah. Okay, I'm good with that. Because I think Francis got some pizza and we can go inside. Hell yeah. Well, this is Young Honchos with uh, Joey and Tanner and our special guests, Trey, Ken, and Joe. And we appreciate you guys listening. And we will see you back next week with another awesome episode.
See you guys. It's always been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.